0: Good morning, friends, and let me add my welcome. My name's Rob, the pastor here at Capitol Press Fairfax. It is good to see you this morning. What a good morning it's been already. We've got second graders getting Bibles. We've got our fellows here. Fellows, thank you very much. We are grateful for the ways you are pouring into our church, and we hope you feel loved by us over this next year. All right? If people here aren't being nice to you, you just talk to me. All right? We'll take care of it. Um, We got to hear about RCE, Romanian Christian Enterprise, and I would just amen everything uh, that Ryan said. I do love Romanian Christian Enterprise. I've made five or six trips there to visit the ministry, see the ministry. I've had a chance to go with both of my boys and participate in their ministry. If you can go to the banquet on September 30th, I would encourage you. You will be thankful that you went there to Fourth Presbyterian Church and went to the banquet. So make a chance to go to that. One last invitation before we dive in. We got a newcomer's lunch today too, all right? So if you've started coming since the summer, you want some Chipotle, some of you have already let us know that you're coming, please come. If you like didn't plan on coming, but you're here now and you don't have lunch plans and you're a newcomer, we'd love to have you join us. So that's after the service. We are in week two of our series on Galatians. And remember, we said that this series, we're aiming uh, to grow in gospel fluency. We're aiming to, to grow in our ability to apply and understand the good news of who Jesus is in every relationship, in every circumstance. What does it mean, growing in gospel fluency? Fluency. I'm learning more and more when it comes to growing in language fluency especially for uh, older students for adults one of the things that really gets in our way in growing in language fluency is that we care too much what other people think right like like when you're trying to practice speaking a new language you're just really embarrassed that someone's going to laugh at you. Kids, when you're in Spanish class or Latin class or whatever it might be, you know when the teacher calls on you, a big part of you is worried about what other people are going to think. You care a lot about what other people think. And so that slows down our learning and our fluency and language. Right, I lived overseas working with uh, students. Liz and I were working with students that speak Zulu. So we, you know, we're trying to learn the language. We're going to language class. We're learning to say, you know, what is your name? Ungabani Agamalako, what is your name? All right, our friends are working with Afrikaans students. Afrikaans is like a simplified Dutch. I'm like, hey man, how do you say what is your name in uh, Afrikaans? And they're like, what is your name? Right, And I'm, I'm thinking, are you serious? Maybe I should work with Afrikaans students, right? Like, uh, I wouldn't have to embarrass myself so much by trying to learn Zulu, which just seemed like just so foreign to me. Because I care a lot about what other people think. And I butchered Zulu all the time. Well, here's the thing when it comes to gospel fluency, A lot of the reasons we don't grow in gospel fluency, a lot of the reasons we struggle with believing and living out the truths and the good news of Jesus Christ is because we care too much about what other people think. Right? In this passage, Paul talks about people-pleasing. So we're going to look at that. We're going to get our hearts and heads around, what is this thing with people-pleasing? He's being accused of people-pleasing. And I would just contend with you this morning, friends, that living in a context of politics and power, in a context where competence and achievement and status are oftentimes everything in people's hearts. Um, we would be really naive to think that we weren't prime targets for being tempted to, for for falling into the false promises of people-pleasing. And if you fall to the false promises of people-pleasing, it's a threat to your joy, it's a threat to your peace, and it's a threat to your relationship with God. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll look at the text this morning. Pray with me. Mighty and merciful Father, we know that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but your word, it stands, it lasts, it endures forever. So we pray you would open up our eyes, give us ears to hear, save us from distraction, that we might see our Savior Jesus this morning. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. If you weren't here this morning, or sorry, you are here this morning. If you weren't here last week... Uh, we said this about the letter to the Galatians. We said it wasn't like a letter from camp. It wasn't like a love letter from romantic partners. No, it was more like a letter from a lawyer, a cease and desist letter. It was a letter of conflict and controversy, one of the sharpest tones of all of Paul's letters. And here's the dangerous thing for us, or at least the thing we should feel, right? He's not writing this um, in-your-face letter To a church like the church in Corinth, right? The church in Corinth, we know it's a hot mess, all right? The church in Corinth, um, they were getting drunk in church, all right? That's a hot mess. The church in Corinth, they were bragging about who baptized who. The church in Corinth, um, they were tolerating a sexual promiscuity that was just astounding. Um, It was no surprise to anyone, to the watching world, that the church in Corinth was just an absolute and complete dumpster fire. But the church in Galatia, I think you and I would have walked into the church of Galatia and we would have thought to ourselves, huh? It's a relatively well put together church. They seem devout. They're following the rules. Maybe they add a couple extra rules, but like they're following the rules. These people seem uh, healthy, well, and wise. And yet, Paul says to them, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting, deserting him who called you by his grace. Church, we we just need to be aware. We can have well put together gatherings. We can follow some rules. We can dress up nice. And yet we can completely miss the gospel. We can abandon him who has called us By his grace. Um, Since this is a letter of controversy uh, and conflict, let's imagine a a courtroom scene this morning. Plenty of lawyers here, so that shouldn't be a trouble for you. When we look uh, and go through this passage, we're going to see that there is a charge, a defense, and an impact. So we're going to look at what Paul's being charged with, we're going to look at his defense, and then what impact that makes. Right, because uh, Paul is being charged with being a people pleaser. And we're going to see that his defense is that I've had an encounter with the living Christ. And that's changed everything. And then we're going to look at the impact that makes. But let's start with the charge. Look at that verse 10. Am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? Paul's just engaging with the church there in Galatia. And he's saying, wait, let me be be clear. Is this what I'm being charged with? Is this what you're saying, that I'm a people pleaser? That I'm just trying to make people happy? Or am I trying to make God happy? And that was the charge. That's what... Those that had come from Jerusalem to Galatia, uh, Paul calls them the circumcision party. uh, we, We sometimes refer to them as the Judaizer. They're saying, yeah, Paul, you're just trying to win a popularity contest here by lowering the bar with the gospel. Remember, they were teaching you needed Jesus plus, Jesus plus circumcision, Jesus plus following their traditions. And they're saying, Paul, your gospel is lowering the bar. You're just being a religious politician. You're just trying to muster more votes. And so when you talk to the Gentiles, you make it a little bit easier for them. It's like, Paul, you're being a seeker-sensitive pastor here. That's what, you're just trying to please the people. And the irony is in reality, it was the Judaizers. It's their teaching that is actually people-pleasing. Because there's something in our human condition that really just wants to be given a set of rules, right? Just give me some boxes I can check. Just give me some rules that I can follow. Just give me some rituals or traditions to go along with, and I'm good. We're going to see that the gospel actually calls you for complete surrender. It demands a humility and it demands a trust. We're going to see Galatians says, no, actually, it's all about faith. So Paul's not lowering the bar. And then he he gives us this mutually exclusive choice. He says, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Those are mutually exclusive. If you're you're going to try to please, um, here's the thing, friends. What we care about controls us. What you ultimately care about controls you. So if you're trying to please man, that's controlling you. You're not going to be a servant of Christ. And that's the choice he lays out for us. There's one little word I want to make sure you pick up in there. Let's not breeze by it. It says, if I were... Still trying to please man. Paul's willing to say, Hey, yeah, I've been there. I have lived to try to please man. He he is a recovering people pleaser. All right, he knows what it's like to be there, and we're going to hear from him what it means to be freed from it. But if I were still trying to please man, I, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. So think about your life. Teenagers. Right, if, if you're being controlled by wanting to be accepted by and included in whoever the in crowd is, if that's what's controlling, you're wanting to please them, then you're not going to be a servant of Christ. Right, Young adult friends, if you are trying to ultimately please the one that you are dating, your boyfriend or girlfriend, if you're, uh, if you're willing to do anything to make them happy, if that's what's controlling you, then you're not living as a servant of Christ. Uh, defense contractors. Not that this happens in this city, right? But if you're looking to please your boss and maybe fudge some things in the defense contracting industry and maybe uh, compromise your integrity to please your boss then you're not living as a servant of Christ. Those are mutually exclusive. As a pastor, if I refuse to say hard things in conversations or in sermons, then I'm not living as a servant of Christ. They're they're mutually exclusive. That's what he's been charged with, of being a people pleaser. He says, I've been guilty of that. And we all have to admit that we've been guilty of it. And then he goes into his defense. And his defense is all around this one reality. I'm not a people pleaser because I have encountered the grace and power of the living Jesus. <laughs> he, he reminds them uh, of his story. That's really how he goes through his defense. He reminds them of his story. And uh, here, here. Here, here's some bonus material this morning for your Galatians sermon, all right? Here's an outline of Galatians that might be helpful for you. The first two chapters of Galatians, Paul really goes through his biography. Again, not making a, a case for him because his ego is, uh, you know, needs to be boosted, but he's saying, if you're going to attack who I am to attack the gospel, I'm going to remind you who I am. First two chapters of Galatians, Paul's biography. Next two chapters, here's what you need to believe. The last two chapters, here's how you live. All right, biography, theology, ethics. Friends, I really pray we need to make sure that uh, the only time you're in Galatians is not these 20 or 30 minutes, all right? Here's some resources. Crossway puts out a great little Galatians journal that you could go online, Amazon, get it. Spend this week in Galatians. Have an audible uh, Bible that you listen to this week. Listen to Galatians. All right, bonus material, finished. Back into Paul making his defense. He just reminds them of his story, all right? He says, Listen, I didn't get the gospel from man, just in case you were wondering. You're trying to say that I was preaching man's gospel? I didn't receive it from man. I wasn't taught it by man. I didn't go to a class out by the airport and learn about it. No, it was revealed to me by God the Father by revealing Jesus Christ to me. That's how I encountered Jesus. That's what saved me from people pleasing. Uh, look at verse 13. You've heard it said, I was persecuting and trying to destroy the church. Paul's just honest about his past. That's part of his story. Maybe you have a past here this morning. Maybe your past is last night or this week. You can be honest about it and there's mercy enough in Christ. Paul helps us see there's mercy enough in Christ to bring forgiveness and change to your past. So he says, hey, you know about my past. I was persecuting and trying to destroy the church. And then he says, "Um, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. I love it. Paul's saying this. Hey, if you think my problem with this whole Jesus plus their traditions, if you think my problem with your gospel that you're teaching, the Jesus plus circumcision comes because I don't know their traditions, or I didn't really like their traditions, or I wasn't good at them, you are sadly mistaken, Paul says. Because the reality is I knew them very well. All right, among all the people in my age, I, I was crushing it when it comes to the father's tradition. All right, like Paul's Paul's parents could have had one of those uh, bumper stickers, right? That said, my child is an honor student at Gamaliel's Jewish Day School, right? Like he was, he was doing that well. I think it's an encouragement for us to remember not to over-endow our, our catechism and our Christian education, right? It is incredibly important. And I love that we give Bibles to our second graders, We don't want them to just have information. We don't want them just to recite answers. We want them to meet personally and encounter personally the living and active Jesus. Paul says, You remember my story. I was an enemy, and also I was an honor student, right? And then he goes on in verse 15 and he talks about how God had set him apart before he was even born. And he had called him by his grace to preach to the Gentiles. Notice all that God does and all that Paul does. God does everything and Paul simply shares about it. Had Paul heard about the promises of the Messiah in the Old Testament? Yes, he was an expert. During his life, had Paul come to hear the rumors of who this Jesus was, some of the facts, some of the details about who, who this Jesus was, no doubt he had. If he was trying to destroy the church, surely he knew what they were talking about Jesus. Jesus had, uh, Paul had knowledge of the promises and even some of the details about who Jesus was and what he was claiming to be. But it wasn't until he had an encounter on the road to Damascus. You can read more about it in Acts chapter 9. It wasn't until he had that encounter with Jesus where everything changed and he was freed from his people pleasing. Think about this Jesus he has an encounter with. Jesus is honestly the only one who's lived a life perfectly where he never lived to please people, though he was tempted to do so, right? Right? Jesus was tempted to to follow the traditions of men. Jesus had plenty of people that said, hey, you want to engage with God? You want a relationship with God? Jesus, you need to be clear. It means following these rules around the Sabbath, Jesus. Jesus, if you want to follow God right, it means you don't ever touch those people. If you wanted to please people, he would have just followed those rules, right? Jesus, if you want to know God and you're talking about God, you better not ever hang around those kinds of people. Jesus refused to be a people pleaser. Even at the beginning of his ministry, the evil one, the devil, tried to use that as a temptation. Hey, if you'll just do some cool supernatural stuff, all of these people will be pleased. He didn't fall for it. He lived for the Father's will. He goes to the cross because he refuses to bow to the religious expectations of the day. He's in the garden, and as tempted as he is to avoid the cross, he he prays what? Not my will but your will be done. I'm not going to live to make them happy. I'm not going to live to make me happy. I'm going to live to make the father happy. He does it perfectly every day of his life. And then he rises again from the dead. And it's that risen Jesus that Paul meets on the road to Damascus. And that changed everything for him. Students, I don't care how many youth groups you've gone to. How many D groups you go to, you need to meet this Jesus. Adults, I don't care how many times you've been to a church service, have you met this Jesus? And if you have, have you forgotten him? Have you drifted from him? Hear again this morning that seeing his love for you, seeing his grace for you, that's what frees you from being a people pleaser. That's the charge. His defense is, hey, um, I have met the risen Jesus. I don't need to please people. Let's consider the impact, right? Uh, Paul gives you some details. He's like, yeah, even after I met uh, and encountered Jesus, it's not like I just ran to the people. I actually spent some time on my own around Damascus, uh, Arabia. And then, yeah, I did go check in with some of the leaders, Cephas, who was Peter, and James. James. You notice even there, it's not like he did a campaign among all the apostles to make sure they're on team, team Paul, right? No, he's like, no, I went and talked to some of the leaders so they knew what I was doing and that this is, this is all good. And then he said, then I just went on telling people about this gospel. And even when I did that, he says, people really didn't know who I was. This is not about me. This is not about popularity. All they would say, they would whisper, there would be rumors that he who used to persecute the church is now sharing the faith that he tried to destroy. And even there, that confirms that he's sharing the true gospel, right? The gospel that was before Paul is the gospel that Paul is now sharing and people are worshiping, uh, hearing about, and rejoicing because of. And the impact of being freed from people-pleasing means that um, you and I, we can serve and live in a way that brings glory to God. You see that last sentence there uh, in the passage of verse 24, it says, um, and they glorified God because of me. I got to be honest with you. I often want that sentence to read, and they glorified me because of God really easy for us to live that way, even in the church. Like, yeah, I want to engage in spiritual activity. I want to be known as a good person out there uh, at my workplace or in my neighborhood so that people will think much of me. It's subtle, but it's a reality that often we are trying to please people even in our spiritual activities. But when we encounter Jesus for who he is, it frees us from that kind of nonsense. So I want you to think about some of the settings where you are tempted to please others, like to be a people pleaser. And it's going to be different. I guarantee you, some of you, you're like, I don't struggle with that. I don't try to please people. I do whatever I want. Whatever makes me happy, I do that. I don't care about other people. Guess what? You're a person. All right. It might be that you are the person that you're trying to please. That still makes you a people pleaser. All right. You're still living for your And and that's popular in the world we live in, that the the good life is just designing your life and designing reality on whatever makes you happy. That's still people-pleasing. It's just you're the, it's a person of one. Where are you tempted to to please people? Um, Maybe it's the ninth grade group chat. All right. Maybe it's the soccer team or the cross country team. Maybe it's in your dating relationships. Maybe it's at your workplace. Here's what you need to see. Um, and and you, uh, often we please people because we don't want to pay the cost. Like we don't want to pay the cost of what it means to make people unhappy and we're scared of what we will lose. Do you think Paul didn't lose something when he decided to follow Jesus? You got to know Paul had a lot of friends that were in big support of him persecuting the church. Paul had a a huge community built all around that. And the second he decided to follow Jesus, he lost all of that. Right? Liz and I work with students in South Africa where uh, they come from families that are bound up in ancestral worship. And when they decide to follow Jesus, that means they're not going to show up at the sacrifices. And in their family's mind, that means they're going to bring shame, uh, (laughs) and danger to their family by not making the ancestors happy. And some of you guys come from Asian cultures and you know it can be the same there in some of those cultures as well. And so they lose their family if they choose not to make them happy by participating in this and following Jesus. What are you scared you're going to lose if you stop making people happy and start following Jesus? Let me tell you this. um, Jesus has given you more in him and in his grace and in his promises than you could ever lose From anyone else. And what you have in Him can never be taken. And He knows your failures and your faults more than anyone on the face of this earth. And He loves you and died for you still. Why am I tempted to live to please people when I have a Savior like that? That's the impact of encountering Jesus, being freed from people pleasing. That's what Paul experienced. That's what Galatians wants us to experience. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and all that we have in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I confess, uh, even to this day, Father, I am tempted uh, foolishly uh, to live for lesser things and to please people. And I thank you for your grace that's rescued me from that. That's grown me in that area of my life. I pray for all of us here this morning that you would help us to see all that we have in our Savior. You would help us to see the foolishness of trying to to find the favor of other people over our Savior. Lead us to repentance by your grace. Show us your mercy and kindness. And lead us to the life we long for, the life found in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.